Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Good morning. Two things hit me when I read the lectionary for today, one of which is this is the kind of uh, reading that you check before you agree to supply somewhere as a priest. And two, I sometimes do miss my field ed parish and seminary where they always said, you can preach longer. <laughs> but I won't. Well, not on purpose anyway. I don't know if you saw that, but we just shared a little laugh when Bill was reading that gospel message. Everett turned to me and smiled and said, good luck. <laughs> it isn't very often that all three lessons really truly line up in a way that they flow into each other. But we start with Deuteronomy, and here we see Moses outside the land of Moab, right at the border of the promised land. We all know that Moses didn't get to go to the promised land, but he led them there, and he said, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Lots and lots of choices and choosing in this lesson. Just do it. You familiar with the red pill or the blue pill? You know what I'm talking about? If you, do, if you take the red pill, something bad happens. If you take the blue pill, something else happens. We have to make choices. Now, it would be really, really easy for me to stand here and tell you just to consistently make the right choice. Choose life. After all, who would purposefully choose death over life? And why would you not choose to obey God's commandments? Now, Moses lays it out very clearly. If you do that, everything will be great. And if you don't, everything will be terrible. Which, by the way, is true. God's love is holy, good, and true. So this passage is 100% correct. If you do follow the commandments, you will have a life that is full, and you will be thriving in life. If you serve other gods, which are false, destructive forces, they will destroy you. The difficulty of this is putting this passage into its proper context because this is part of what God is revealing to his people. This is just a snapshot of a really long process of God's people coming to understand eventually that they need help. God is the one who will save them, not them themselves. After all, Moses couldn't even get them to the promised land. So this is the beginning of a journey where human beings realize that they are not as free as they think. Moses even ends this by saying, live in the land that God swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Because God entered a covenant with Abraham, and that covenant was by faith. Abraham believed God. And that was credited to his righteousness. Then the same thing goes for us. Not one of us will be justified by doing. 
We come into our promised land not because we made a choice, but because God has made a choice about us. And this choice that God has made about us is made in Jesus. God himself for you has chosen life. God himself has chosen you to live, and God himself has chosen you to dwell with him forever. This comes not by our choosing or doing, but by faith. It is living by faith that the good things in our lives that appear to be choices, we begin to see as the fruits in our lives. The fruits of faith. Love, peace, patience, joy, kindness, self-control, and you can go on and on. However, it's not that easy, and in fact, the Bible story continues. It doesn't stop in Deuteronomy. And we see people making bad choices over and over and over throughout the, remaining, the remainder of the Old Testament. And Paul's letter to the Corinthians is an example of the fact that we are not free to choose. They are clearly not free because if they were, they wouldn't choose to have quarrels, factions, or to pick sides. Now, I will say, just like a parent, I know you have a favorite priest. <laughs> I'm sorry, Everett. <laughs> but Paul sees this tension that they're living in, that they are still living in the flesh, right? They are making these choices of earthly things, and he tells them, listen, I know that you are in Christ, but you are infants in Christ. You are learning because you still don't have it right. This message that Paul gives us is a case study of the lesson we read in Deuteronomy. They're holding on to things of the flesh. Why? Because unfree people like to cling to things. Things that they can see, things that they can feel. He sees them clinging to certain people. They talk about Apollos and Paul, and they're clinging to these father figures... And Paul is reminding them that, yes, they are, in fact, clinging to the wrong things. And it's the gospel message. The word is what can set us free and give us that freedom. That's the eternal thing to cling to, the word, not a person. Rather, that God is working through the people in our lives that we learn from, and they are bringing about a sanctified life the Christian life. And what God is doing is working through all of the people in our lives and God is using it to bring about something glorious. This bears repeating, at least for myself. We tend to cling to the wrong things as opposed to the right thing, which is a promise. And that promise needs to cling to us. My friends, it is God who does the work, not us. And now we hear the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. We're seeing now Jesus is functioning basically as the new Moses. He is delivering the full intent of what the law is meant to be. 
Oftentimes we think of the law, especially Mosaic law, as a ladder you have to climb. You have to do these things. There's a checklist that you have to carry out. But that's not how the word is defined in the Bible. In the Bible, the law is described as a word. And that word is holy, right, and good. And here's where it gets hard. The word's job is to expose the fact that I am not as free as I thought I was. Jesus is taking the law from simply your actions and making it about your intent. I'll say that again. Jesus is taking the law from your actions, which is how we perceive that law, and making it about your intent. He's saying that your problem is actually bigger than what you do. Your problem is your very core, and your problem is you. As painful as it is, Jesus is exposing who we really are. And he's taking the law to its highest point here. This example exposes exactly why what Moses told the people is impossible. He says, don't don't commit murder. Okay, I haven't done that. I don't want to, right? But it's not just about murdering someone. He's saying that the real problem is the root of the rage and where that comes from. Let's expose the root of the problem. And as much as we don't want to admit it, that problem always comes from the inside. This is why, as just a few moments ago, Father Everett read the Collect for Purity. We read it every week in the Episcopal Church. It says, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. It isn't about actions. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. I heard it said recently that about every seven seconds, we need a heart transplant. Which is why we pray that prayer. Now, as I stated earlier, it'd be really easy for someone to say, you know, oh, you're sinning, cut off your hand, cut out your eye, you're fine. Take the thing away that's causing you to sin, and you're good. Here's the problem with that. As most of us are aware, you can't just get rid of something that is causing you to sin. If you are addicted to chocolate, throw it away, and you won't have a problem. We all know that an alcoholic cannot pour the drink down the drain and be cured. That is not how it works. That action does not remove the deep emotional, psychological, spiritual stuff connected to what it is you're doing, whether it be drinking, having disordered eating, other things in your life that cause you to struggle. And what Jesus is doing here as a good teacher is inviting you to get curious about why he would make such an extreme statement. We might think, okay, I'll pluck out my eye and now I'm not a sinner. Wait, here I am. I'm having these unholy thoughts. And we have to do this. And if you follow Jesus' teaching to its logical conclusion, you realize that in order to follow that, you have to cut off your head and die. That's where it's leading, my friends. And by the way, later on, 
Jesus is going to say to us just that. Come follow me and die. Follow me and take up your cross. This message today is an invitation to come to the end of yourself. To get to that place where if you are familiar or not, which is the first step for someone entering AA, my life has become unmanageable. And I am powerless to change it. And when you get to that place, that moment is when the Holy Spirit can enter into your life and do God's work. Amen. Thank you.